Welcome, everyone, to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Boone, the lead fantasy analyst at The Score. Now, we were going to record on Wednesday, but with 11 preseason games on the slate Thursday night, I decided to push it back just a little bit until this morning so we could go over some of the early takeaways from those games. And I'm doing my written recaps every night of the preseason where there are enough games to do it. I did one last night. You can find that in the NFL Fantasy News section on the Score app. And I opened it by reminding everyone this is the first week of the preseason. Therefore, we can't make any concrete conclusions about these players. I mean, it's very limited sample sizes that we're talking about here. But we can start to add these performances to what we've heard and what we've seen from OTAs and training camps. We're we're trying to put the puzzle together, right? We're trying to figure out exactly what we should expect from these players this season. So every single one of these preseason games is just another data point that we can add to that. So I'm excited to go over some of these takeaways. We're going to do that just a little bit later. First, I want to talk about some of the big news items. Then we'll run through the preseason games. And then finally, we'll round it out with some mailbag questions from everybody. Before we get to that, I can't encourage you enough to check out the Scores 2019 Fantasy Football Draft Kit, folks. It has all my content in it, rankings, tiers, auction values, breakouts, busts, uh, players who are going to lead you to a title, strength to schedule, offensive line rankings, mock drafts. I could go on and on here. There's a ton more. I'm not trying to sell you a thing either. It is 100% free. It's updated daily. You can easily put it on your phone. You can have it on your mobile device, navigate through it on there. Don't need to carry, you know, an outdated magazine or print off sheets unless you want to. I mean, I still do that. I still go old school sometimes as well, but the point is you don't have to do that. You can just bring this draft kit with you. It's all you need. All you have to do is download the score app, which also is free. All right, let's start with some of the recent news. The first one we have to talk about is the Duke Johnson trade. Despite suggesting seemingly all offseason that this trade wasn't going to happen, that they weren't going to accommodate his requests, the Browns decided to ship Duke Johnson off, and they got a pretty nice return from the Texans, actually. A fourth-round pick becomes a third-rounder if he plays 10 games. So a few thoughts here. First off, this is great news for Johnson's value because he desperately needed out of Cleveland. Nick Chubb came on the second half last year. Johnson's role got diminished at that point. Plus, the team has Kareem Hunt there. He could return in week 10. They have Dontrell Hilliard. He's also been earning some pretty positive reviews out of camp. So those two guys are the two biggest winners, actually, for me from this. Duke Johnson and Hilliard. And here's the reason why. Johnson gets to go to a team that desperately needs running back help. They waived Deonta Foreman. Now you have Johnson show up and slot right in as an immediate passing down upgrade. That's an area where Lamar Miller has never seen very much volume. And Miller's actually also faded the last couple of seasons down the stretch. So Duke could actually be a bigger factor late in the year in this backfield as well. So for now, he starts the season. He'll be a nice change of pace back. He'll see a decent amount of targets. And he has an outside shot to usurp Miller at some point this season or potentially next offseason when Miller's contract is up. That makes Johnson very interesting in dynasty leagues as well. In redraft, he's still a flex option. You can start to think about taking him, I'd say, around the ninth round at this point. Miller remains a top 30 back. 
even after Foreman was let go, we knew that they were going to bring someone in to share the workload with him. Miller isn't seeing 300 touches. It's not happening. He's just never going to hold up under that kind of workload. Uh, Hilliard's my other big winner, like I said, and it's because it really now frees him up to be Chubb's immediate backup for the first eight games of this season. That's when Kareem Hunt suspended for. We're not going to see Hunt until later in the year. And really, who knows what happens there? Uh, Hunt suspended. It's possible he never even plays for the Browns. It's possible that Dorsey could trade him, that he could have another incident. Week 10 is a long way away, folks. So, Hilliard is now someone that you can consider as a handcuff or a late round stash. He's showing well as a runner and as a receiver in practice and now into the preseason. He looked decent last night as well. So he's a nice relief option there. As for Chubb himself, this doesn't really change much for me. I've had him as a top seven fantasy back all offseason. I expected him to see plenty of targets. I mean, He caught 20 balls over the final nine games last year, and that was with Duke Johnson in the lineup. Chubb is a stud. He's a first-round value, and he's a first-round value that you can get in the second round of drafts. I just hope even after this trade that it stays that way. We have to talk about Antonio Brown's frostbitten feet. This is one of the oddest injury stories that we've ever seen. There's a ton of speculation out there about how it could have occurred. We don't exactly know what happened. All we can do is react to what we do know, and that's that Brown isn't practicing. He got on the field for one session. It clearly didn't go well. They sent him to a specialist after that. We still have a month to go before week one. That's a lot of time, and we don't really know because we don't know the severity of this injury, and we don't know exactly what happened and how it occurred. We don't have a timeline for when he could return. It doesn't seem like anyone in the organization is overly concerned at this point, at least not that he's going to miss time early in the season. I'm sure they don't love the fact that he's not there for training camp, but it's really uncharted territory that we're in. What we do know for sure is he's missing valuable reps in this new offense, right? Especially trying to build chemistry with a new quarterback and Derek Carr. And if you don't think that that's going to affect him early in the season, if he, even if he's completely healthy, if you don't think that's going to affect him early in the season, I think you're fooling yourself. And I'm someone who loves Antonio Brown. I still see him as one of the best wideouts in the game, but he needs to build that chemistry with his new quarterback. So I expect some reduced efficiency early in the season. He's still a late second round pick in fantasy drafts for me. Couple other quick things to mention here. The 49ers activated Jarek McKinnon from the pup list, and then they promptly shut him right back down when he experienced soreness in that knee. Now he's set to get the platelet-rich injections. He's going to be sidelined for at least another few weeks complete stay away for me on this one. I bumped him way down my board. Tevin Coleman was already looking like the lead back in San Francisco. He just needed a running mate. Looks like that's going to be Matt Breda now. And that's important because if this turns into a DeFonta Freeman Coleman type backfield, like Kyle Shanahan had in Atlanta, Breda could put up some decent numbers in this offense. He's moving up my board. He's just outside the top 40 running backs now. I also want to mention that Damian Williams is back at practice. He missed some time with hamstring issues. Hopefully he's fully healthy and he's not rushing back because we know soft tissue injuries can linger. They can get aggravated, cause you to miss even more time after that. So I'm operating like he's fully healthy. He's a late second rounder, early third round value for me. 
Okay, so let's talk takeaways from Thursday's 11 preseason games. And I'm not going to go over everything here because you can go and read my takeaways article for all those instant analysis notes in there. But I do want to hit on some of the main revelations I had while watching the games. And we have to mention that a lot of starters were sitting out the first week of the preseason. So take that for what it's worth, right? That does impact how some of these players looked. But we could still start to glean some things from these performances, obviously. And the first thing is that there were a bunch of rookie running backs that were standing out on the first night of preseason action here. Whether it was David Montgomery, who people had a lot of questions about Montgomery coming in. You know, he doesn't have an outstanding athletic profile. He's not the fastest running back. In college, he was winning just by having patience and that really powerful running style, being able to break tackles. Guess what? That's what he showed us last night as well. Looks like he's going to be able to do a lot of those same things in the pros. He picked up 16 yards on three carries, seven of which came on a very nice touchdown run. He also had another 30 yards on three targets, and that's important because the Bears have talked about wanting to have a complete back, an all-round back, a three-down back, not just having to mix and match like they did with Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen. Montgomery could be that guy. Now, Tariq Cohen's not going to go away. He's not just going to, you know, sit the bench all season. He'll still be involved, but there's a chance that Montgomery could step in and take over the bulk of the work in that backfield. If he does, he's definitely going to be an RB2 this season. Miles Sanders didn't do as much with his touches for the Eagles, but they were missing a lot of offensive players, including several members of that offensive line. It's one of the better offensive lines in the league, and that's part of the reason why we like that running game so much. The important thing for me here was that Sanders had an early night, so they took him out very early. He didn't get a ton of work. That's a pretty good sign that they want him involved. They want him to be a piece of of this starting offense moving forward. So he's going to start the year in a timeshare with Jordan Howard. And the unfortunate part about that is Howard might be getting the goal line work in that situation. But eventually, this is going to fall in Sanders' favor. He's going to start to get more carries as the season progresses. And because of that, I do like him as a pick around the fifth or sixth round. I wrote this last night, but it might only be a matter of time until Devin Singletary takes over as the lead back in that Bills backfield as well. His stats last night weren't outstanding. He had 12 touches for 48 yards. Didn't exactly jump off the page at you, but he showed a lot of versatility. He was catching passes. He showed a shiftiness that I'm not totally sure that we still have from LaShawn McCoy. We know that Frank Gore is a completely different type of back. He's a grinder. He's a guy that you can definitely rely on to get you what's blocked, but he's also not someone who's going to get you much more than that. Singletary seems like he could be a playmaker, and some of the Bills beat writers were actually suggesting that maybe they should just put him in bubble wrap at this point, that we got a glimpse of what he could do last night. Don't overwork him now. He got a lot of carries in college. Potentially just wait until the start of the year to unleash him. That would be good for fantasy owners as well, because from what we saw last night, Singletary is definitely someone I'm willing to grab in the late rounds, which is where he's going right now. You can expect that Singletary's ADP is going to rise at this point, though. He's still going to be a value. Right now, he's going in the double-digit rounds. That's going to start to creep up over the next few weeks, it seems. Justice Hill was another rookie ball carrier that showed well last night. And this is a good example of why you have to watch preseason games. Because if you're just going to look at his box score, you're going to see 10 carries for 33 yards. 
two catches for 16 yards, you're probably not going to be that impressed by it. But if you watch his play, it was outstanding. He had a 14-yard reception on third and three, made a couple defenders miss, really flashed the excitement that he could bring to this backfield. And we know that he can play that change of pace role next to Mark Ingram. There's going to be so much rushing volume in this offense. Hill could be a sneaky flex play, maybe even more if Ingram goes down at some point this year. There was also a bunch of young quarterbacks that played very, very well in limited action last night. Baker Mayfield came out. He didn't have Odell Beckham. He didn't have Jarvis Landry. He still orchestrated a seven-play, 89-yard drive, capped it off with a 24-yard touchdown strike to Rashard Higgins, went 5-for-6 for 77 yards and a score on that drive. Mayfield looks outstanding, warrants that top-five spot in my rankings. We also got our first look at Kyler Murray in last night's action, and he didn't lead his team on a scoring drive. They didn't get a touchdown, but he did complete 6-7 of passes for 44 yards, and really the most impressive thing about his performance was his accuracy. He's just so much more accurate than the other rushing quarterbacks we saw come out last year, uh, like Lamar Jackson, like Josh Allen. And that's something that we've heard coming out of practices for the Cardinals, that his accuracy is outstanding. That could set him apart. It's, it's that kind of accuracy mixed with the dual threat ability that could put him into the top 10 uh, quarterbacks in fantasy this year. I really hope that happens. And that's how I have him ranked at this point. And there's a couple undrafted free agent receivers that we have to talk about after last night. Preston Williams of the Dolphins. There's a chance he's already the best receiver on that team. And I don't think that's hyperbole at this point. It says a little more about the Dolphins receiving core and maybe what they have to offer. But Williams put up 97 yards on four catches, had some highlight reel grabs going up over defenders, hauling in a ball with one hand. He drew some defensive pass interference calls as well. Just a phenomenal performance from Williams. A player who, he fell in the draft due to character concerns. It wasn't talent. There's a chance that the Dolphins got a real steal here. He's a stash in the late rounds at this point and could turn into more. He could be the top Dolphins receiver, even over my guy Kenny Stills taken in fantasy drafts. Jacoby Myers was the other undrafted free agent wideout that had a big night. Six catches, 69 yards, and two touchdowns for the Patriots. He's trying to establish himself as a potential starter. They don't have that much behind Julian Edelman. We know that Josh Gordon applied for reinstatement, but we don't know what's going to happen there. And even if he does get reinstated, you have to think he's probably going to serve some type of suspension to start the season. Nikhil Harry also had an okay game. He caught a couple nice passes in the way that he's going to win. He's not going to create a ton of separation, but that body movement, that body control, he's able to come away to create just enough space for him to come away with the ball in contested situations. Harry's still the favorite to get the starting role between him and Myers, but we have to start taking Myers seriously. And if he continues to perform like this, the Patriots will not just keep him on the bench because he's an undrafted free agent. They're going to let whoever the best player is take the field there. Just like Williams, I'm looking at Myers as a late round stash right now. 
And you can read the rest of my takeaways in that article on the score. Talked about a bunch of players, uh, the Dolphins backfield battle, the Broncos backfield battle, some other young quarterbacks that flashed like Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Allen went a little more in depth on the Bills offense there. Uh, A lot of good takeaways for you. You can go check that out. I promised it. Let's do it. Let's get to your mailbag questions and As always, I am blown away by the amount of questions that roll in instantaneously when I put the call out. So thank you very much for that. And it's an easy transition here because of what we were just talking about. At 12 underscore Brown, my guy Joey Brown asks, is Jacoby Myers or Preston Williams worthy of a late round stash? Williams was in the Deep Sleepers article. Thank you, Joey, for pointing that out. I was on Williams back in early June when that Deep Sleeper article came out. We talked about both these guys probably enough just a second ago, but I'll reiterate that I think that they are late round stashes at this point, but is the upside there for them to become more? Absolutely. I'd want them on my roster in Dynasty Leagues. If they're out there, you better rush to the waiver wire to add them to your bench just to see how things turn out. In redraft, there's a chance these are some of the guys who become stars This season, we're talking about two receiving cores that are wide open, aside from the Patriots behind Edelman, like I mentioned, but these are wide open. Both teams are desperate for weapons in that passing game downfield. At Winfield underscore five wants to know, in a single QB league, at what rounds would you say Mahomes, Watson, Luck, and Rodgers become value picks? I'm having a hard time knowing when to pull the trigger. I have tiers in the draft kit. You can go look at those and that has a suggested round next to them. But but there's one caveat that I have to mention. I don't often take quarterbacks high because that position is so deep. I've said it a million times. The value is later in drafts. So for example, if you're looking at Mahomes, he's probably going to get taken around the third round, I would say. I'm not taking him until the late fourth or fifth. So I'm not going to end up with Mahomes on many teams this year. Last year when he was going in the ninth and later, he was on my list of late round quarterbacks to target. I got him a bunch of spots. This season, I don't expect that to happen. Watson's a valuable round later than that in the sixth, I would say. Luck and Rogers in the seventh. Of that group, Watson seems to be the only one that I've drafted this year. Uh, Sometimes he does fall into that range depending on the draft you're in. Uh, So he's the one there that I'd probably still be okay with targeting. But if you can get them around that range or any later than that, you're doing great. At Call Me asks, if Zeke's holdout continues to Labor Day, where would you feel comfortable taking him? If Zeke is still out and the calendar flips to September 1st, I will not be taking him anywhere, but if you wanted to, if you were still interested in having him on your team this year, he'd be a third, fourth rounder at that point, but it really depends what we're hearing. This is so much based on the news that's coming out, on monitoring every piece of info. I think we're more realistic now after we lived through the the Le'Veon Bell saga a year ago, but right now, Zeke's fallen to the mid to late first round for me. I'm still confident that a deal is going to happen. Melvin Gordon's in the late second to early third because I'm a little less confident that I think the Chargers and him are going to get that resolved in a timely fashion. At Skrilla 77 when do you take David Montgomery? I'm guessing this is coming off the heels of last night's performance. I viewed him as a fourth rounder for a while now. If last night was any indication, we'll be seeing him go off the board in the third round pretty soon. 
And I'm okay with that. I don't think that I could go much higher than that based on the other talent available in that range. Uh, and also the presence of Tariq Cohen and, and Mike Davis as well. But Montgomery in the late third seems like a, a fine spot to settle. At Torrey Hallam, do you think there's more value in rounds four and five at wide receiver or running back? They're both loaded. If we're looking specifically at the fourth and fifth, I'm giving the nod to running back with guys like Montgomery, who we just talked about, uh, Josh Jacobs, Mark Ingram, Chris Carson, Sony Michelle. There's a lot of decent names available in that range. There's also some good picks at receiver, but I think on receiver, you could go just a little bit later. So if we were talking about the fifth and sixth rounds, I would lean towards receiver there because I'm targeting that group of Tyler Lockett and DJ Moore and Tyler Boyd, Robbie Anderson, Dante Pettis, Mike Williams, ton of guys there that I like at receiver, but there's a lot of talent available in that range, which also makes me willing to go tight end a little bit earlier. I've talked before about how I like George Kittle, grabbing him in the late second or third round. That's because you can make up for it with a pick in this range. At the slow forward eight asks, I've been getting the opportunity in several drafts to take both Chubb and Mayfield. I know that specific bye week would be rough, but what are your thoughts on having them both as RB1 and QB1? I wouldn't be worried about that at all. You can even employ that strategy in tanking the week of the bye weeks, having nearly your full starting lineup go on bye for one week and then having them ready to go every other week of the season. I did it last year in a league. I had a ton of Chiefs and Rams. They had the same bye week. I think it was in week 12. And it turned out to be literally one of the best teams I've ever drafted, rolled through the league on the way to a title. So no worries about Mayfield and Chubb together on the same roster. At Beaver Nation underscore 95, how many people do you prefer to have in a league and why? I've answered this question before, I think, but this is the time of year when it's definitely on top of everybody's mind. 12 teams is great. 14 teams is my favorite, though, because then each team gets to play every team once. You don't end up with any lopsided schedules or anything like that. At Cat Lives for Savvy, who is your favorite tight end after round 10? Have a couple. Uh, Delaney Walker, Jordan Reed, and Mark Andrews are the immediate ones that come to mind. Walker's coming back from the injury. Reed has the incredibly long injury history of his own. And Andrews is in that low volume Ravens passing attack. So they each have their faults, which is why they're going in that point in the draft. If I'm waiting that long on tight end, though, I'm likely grabbing one of those guys and then pairing them with Chris Herndon. And we know Herndon suspended for the first four games of the season, but he has top 10 upside when healthy. So you get one of those guys to come in, fill that role for you for the first month, and then you can pick between them and Herndon the rest of the way. Finally, at B Sanford 11 asks, if Kareem Hunt didn't exist, where would you have Chubb ranked? My response to this question is, does Kareem Hunt actually exist for the Browns? Are we sure he's going to be in this backfield at any point? Are we sure he's going to get carries for that team? Chubb is a superstar. He's He would move up to RB5 if that Zeke holdout continues, but he can't go much higher than that. He really can't. When you're talking about the top guys there, uh, McCaffrey, Barkley, Alvin Kamara, David Johnson, he could earn his way into that mix, but he's going to have to do that this season. I'm not going to put him there before the season starts. 
That is all for the show today. Go check out the Score Fantasy Football Draft Kit to see today's updates. Make sure you subscribe to the alerts from the NFL Fantasy News section on the Score app and to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're using. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Justin Boone. Big thanks to everybody who submitted questions for today's mailbag. Big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me.